0: ever wonder about questions that don't seem to have solid answers? Like if God is so good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Or why should we trust the Bible, and who wrote it anyway? Maybe you found the answers, but they didn't fully satisfy you. Well, welcome to Straight from the Bible, where you can find real answers from God's Word. Give us a call if something's on your heart. You can call us right now at 472 1111 or in the CNMI at 323 1113. You can also text or WhatsApp your questions to 671 686 9999. And now, straight from the Bible with Pastor Masih Ida'om. Good
1: evening and half a day and greetings to everyone listening to Joy FM. Welcome back to Straight from the Bible where we. Take your Bible questions, and we try to find the answers in the Word of God. My name is Pastor Masiq, and I'm here with my co-host, Scott. Hey there, Scott. Hey, Pastor. Great to be with you again this afternoon. All right, hold on. Let's go ahead and bow our heads together for a word of prayer as we go into the Bible. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Word that gives us life, hope, happiness, peace, and joy, and Lord, wonderful truth that leads us closer to your son. We humbly ask you to be with us and bless us and teach us uh, through your spirit what you would want us to learn today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so glad to be here with you. I'm here with my, my dear friend, Scott. And if you have any questions you'd love to ask, we'd love to hear from you. Scott, maybe you can give them the numbers one more time if they want to call in or how else they can reach us.
2: Yes, no problem. Call in from Guam, 671-472-1111 in the CNMI Please dial 670 323 text or WhatsApp, signal us, 671-686-9999. We're streaming live on Facebook, so go ahead and leave your comment section in the, the box below. And you can listen to us live, joyfmradio.net. Also, last but not least, email your Bible question to bible at joyfmradio.net. All right, thank you Scott. Well, we did have some email questions that came in, so yes.
1: we'll go through them one by one and we'll let the Lord uh, be our teacher today.
2: Okay, our f- our first question for today is is it a sin to want to go and visit the dead or grave of your mom? Is it a sin to want to visit the
1: dead or or uh, the grave of your mom? I'm guessing it, I guess the questions uh, the questioners asking is it a sin to visit I guess the grave site of, of your parent or mom mm-hmm. or a loved one. Uh, the, answer is, the answer is no. A short answer is no. There's nothing in the Bible that forbids us uh, from visiting the, the tombs or the graves of our loved ones. Uh, we, we have no record of that where it specifically says no. The only thing the Bible does counsel us uh, against, against doing uh, that we should not do is actually communicating with the dead or communicating Mm -hmm. with the spirits, or communicating with a medium who would then uh, communicate with the dead on our behalf. So that is the only thing that the Bible is very clear about, forbidding. It is forbidding to try to even communicate with uh, the dead. However, to to visit the the, the grave site, to visit the burial site, uh, that becomes more of a memorial. It's a time to visit and to think of your loved one and to, to remember Oh, wonderful memories. Uh, but no, the Bible does not say it is a sin to visit uh, the gravesite of, of a loved one. It does simply say it is forbidden to uh,
2: try attempt to communicate with the dead. Mm-hmm. Great question. Great yes. Question. Thank you, Pastor, mm-hmm. for answering the question. Our next question is, I had this one as a boy. If God created all the heavens, the earth... How, how was he created, or who is his mom and dad? Oh, right. I like
1: questions like that. Yes. You know, usually a lot of children ask this question, and it's definitely a question that many adults have as well. And the, the answer is, um, the answer is God doesn't have a mother or a father. And the answer is God was never created. He was the creator, but never a creation. And so sometimes it's very difficult for us as created beings to understand how something or someone could not be created like, like we are. And so God is not living in the same uh, life that we live in. He doesn't live in this. He's not limited to, rather, I should say. He's not limited to time and space. And he's not limited to uh, even such a thing as having a, a beginning. The Bible says He is the beginning and the ending. He's always been there. He's eternal, and it's very difficult for us to understand it sometimes because we don't have that uh, personally. So, of course, uh, sometimes that's a problem. Uh, let's go to the Book of Psalms, chapter ninety, verse two. If you can read that, Scott. And if you want to, if you want to add into that, you're more than welcome. No problem. Psalms chapter ninety nine zero verse two. If you could read that for us, please.
2: verse two. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. So the psalmist was nice. saying
1: before anything from everlasting to everlasting, you are the Lord. So how long has God been around? Uh, he has been around since everlasting. Uh, let's go to the book of Timothy and let's look at another one uh, describing God. First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 17 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse
2: 17 all right 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 17 and you can read that Scott please thank you now unto the king eternal immortal invisible the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever amen amen Amen. So God is once again
1: described as eternal. So now you can read all throughout the scriptures, and you will find many verses like this in Isaiah and all throughout the Old and New Testament that describe how God, his existence, has always been there. Now here's a way that I it has kind of been made clear to me. And you know, Scott, I was sitting uh-huh. in my, my math class one time, and uh, uh, my, my teacher asked a question. He said, well, he talked about the, the, the number line, you know, the mm-hmm. integers in the number line. So he put a zero in the center, he drew a line, and he said positive integers or, you know, one going all the way down to whichever. And then he said negative one on the other side of the zero, and he says negative zero, negative one going down that line. And then he said this, really amazed me. And then he said, he asked the question, he said, which number is the last number? Now, for me, years ago, I had learned the word Google before Google ever became an internet thing. (laughs) And if I remember correctly, the word Google, I I believe it's spelled -uh G-O-O-G-E-L, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And that simply means one with 100 zeros behind it, if I I remember correctly. And I thought, well, Google must be the last number. A one with 100 zeros behind it, whatever number that's called. So I said, Google. And he looked at me and he (laughs) laughed. And then he said this, God. He said, there is no last number. And he said, numbers are infinite the same way God is infinite. Amen. I said, what? And then he said, think of the last number you can think of, and then once you're there, you can still count one more. And then once you count that number, you can still count again, and still count again. And, and that number keeps on going until uh, forever. Forever. And the same thing if you're counting positive integers or negative integers, negative numbers, negative one, negative two, all the way down, it is the same. So the going on the, on, the, on the negative integer, it's an infinite number that you can keep on going. And we're going on the positive integer, the positive number line, it's an infinite number and they have no end. And so that's as close as I can come to understanding. Uh, the the infinity of who our beloved God is. He is just uh, beyond our human comprehension, mm-hmm. but he exists uh, far beyond anything that we could fully imagine. Uh, so the Bible is very clear. No one created him. Uh, no one made him. He was always there. And isn't that wonderful news that a God so great and wonderful and broad and, and uh, living in eternity uh, would come to this world and, and create us and and send His Son to die for us so that we may be His beloved children in His kingdom. I think that is amazing.
2: It is amazing.
1: So, uh, yes, my my dear questioner, no. Uh, no one created the Lord, but we're so glad that the Lord created us. Yes, image. we are.
2: Mm-hmm. Amen to that. We uh, A question came in from WhatsApp. Oh, wonderful, please. Yes. And they're asking... Please explain Numbers chapter 19, verse 11. Numbers chapter 19, verse 11. May I? Yes, go right ahead. All right. Numbers 19, verse 11. Whoever touches a human corpse will be unclean for seven days. And on the bottom of her question, it says, is there anything in the Bible that states we are not allowed to touch a dead body? Oh,
1: that's a great question. Mm-hmm. You know, at least for this particular one, uh, there's none that I'm aware of right now. I know that, of course, you know, when somebody dies, you you have to, somebody has to handle the body. Somebody has to. You think of uh, Abraham when he passed away. Of course, somebody had to handle his body and uh, put him into the tomb. You think of, of course, Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha when he passed away. Uh, they wrapped up his body in the in in the um, in linen, and they put his body in the tomb. And then, of course, you even think of Jesus uh, when he passed away. You know, they came and they uh, they wrapped up his body in linen tomb uh, in in linen, and burial cloth,
2: and they also uh, put him in the tomb. Sorry, what was the question again, Scott? I just want to be sure I get it correctly. No problem. Is there anything in the Bible that states we are not allowed to touch a dead body?
1: Uh, no. Yes, yeah, sorry. Thank you for that. So yes. now regarding numbers chapter 19, uh, verse 11, he that toucheth the dead bo- the dead body of an of an any man shall be unclean 7 days. Uh, then it goes on he shall purify himself with it on the 3rd day and on the 7th day he shall be clean, but if he purified not himself the 3rd day then the seventh day he shall not be clean. This is a great question. It is. I'm going to ask two things. One, give me some time to study this out, mm-hmm. and we'll give you some more information next week or the next time on Straight from the Bible, and we'd love to give you a, 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 a better answer. Uh, and the next thing is this. When they had come out of Egypt, uh, the, um, the Israelites had, you know, they had a lot of practices that uh, were very Egyptian in nature. And so God had to uh, educate them through uh, these other things, you know, cleanliness and things like that, in order to, you know, get them pure again, pure again in their, in their way of living and even in their religion. And so for this particular one, I'm going to ask if I can give you some time to study it. I'm really glad you brought it out. And I'll be happy to give you an answer in our next episode of Straight from the
2: Bible. Uh, but aside from that you know pastor when okay. I was when, when I was growing up through the times from little all the way to like teenage and every time we went to the funeral we were always told don't touch the body mm-hmm. you guys are gonna get sick or mm-hmm. something like that just don't even go kiss it or give it a yes. hug or something so i um, I'm am curious too about this question. Absolutely, yeah. and and that was one of the reasons why the
1: the question I'm not the question why some of these restrictions actually came to be. Oh. Uh, because mm-hmm. you know back then remember when somebody died, mm-hmm. um, when somebody died, you know the ambulance didn't come in, and uh, you know make sure they were okay, and that you know they uh, they didn't take them away and then put them in a secure uh, place where the decaying process wouldn't be a health issue for other people. So back in the time of Moses, during this time, they didn't have anything at all uh, like that. Uh, they didn't have a funeral home. They didn't have um, you know, the embalming methods that we have today to I preserve see. a body for, for weeks and months. Uh, once the decaying process began, uh, it began very quickly. And one of the things you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned it, Brother mm-hmm. Scott, was that was one of the health reasons... Uh, health laws that God had instituted, it was to protect their own personal health mm-hmm. uh, because uh, they would get sick. Um, because, you know, when, when somebody we love dies and uh, they've rotted away, we're still going to want to, you know, hug them and kiss them as we mm-hmm. weep over them. Uh, but God says, um, if uh, safely, you know, don't do that. That mm-hmm. wouldn't be very uh, safe to do. However, of course, times are different now where we can preserve people, we are able okay. to have that ability. Uh, to, um, to keep them you know, non-decomposed for longer periods of time. And, of course, some of the applications of these rules have had to change uh, only because our times have changed as well. Okay, Nice. Uh, but, but thank you so much for the question. We'll definitely study that even further,
2: and we will happy to give you an answer in our next episode. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. That was a good question. Okay, moving on to a text message from Amani. Amani, we yeah. love hearing from Amani. <laughs> yeah. Amani usually texts in her question or she'll, she'll call and then hang up and then <laughs> listen later. So. Yeah, so her
1: questions are always, uh, you know, they're, they're very deep. Mm-hmm. And it's usually, you know, young people's questions are often very, very deep because, um, uh, you know, I just believe that the Lord gives them these, this wonderful way of thinking. Yes. And uh, they're good questions. So go right
2: ahead. Good to hear from you, Amani. All right. When Jesus comes back and you're asleep... How will you know if he is here? Wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> okay, that's a good question. never heard anything <laughs> like that before, but uh, read it one more time, Brother Scott, please.
2: When Jesus comes back and you're asleep, how will you know if he is here? Wonderful. Well, let's go to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4,
1: and we'll read a little bit about uh, the return of Christ. Okay. Uh, First Thessalonians chapter four. First you know, Thessalonians. Chapter, chapter four, 4. Yes.
2: Uh, verse 16 and 17. And Scott, you can read it when you get there, please. Thank you. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, 15 and 16? Uh, six, uh, 16 and 17 oh, rather. Sorry. 16 through 17. Actually, no, 15, 16, and 17. Sorry. 15 F- to 17, uh, yes. 15. Alright. And I'm just having a little difficulty no problem, with no problem. The, my my fingers right now but it's okay. Here we go. Um, starting from verse 15. Mm-hmm. For this way say unto for this way say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, I shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Brother Scott.
1: So the question is, if we're sleeping... And Jesus comes back. How will mm-hmm. we know when He is here? Mm-hmm. Well, when we're asleep. When we're asleep. Yeah, great question. <laughs> and the answer is, when Christ comes back, there are certain signs uh, and certain events that take place right as He's coming. Uh, the Bible says that uh, every eye will see Him, uh, including the eyes of those that have passed. Meaning, when Jesus comes back, it will be something visible. And so, of course, the those that are asleep or those that are dead they are resurrected. And so when they're resurrected, they'll be able, of course, to see Jesus. But if you look at verse um, 16, uh, where Scott had read, it said when Jesus comes back again, he's going to descend from heaven with a shout, shout, and then with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, or the trumpet of God. Now, if if you've ever been sleeping... And if you ever had somebody, and if you had somebody come and shout in your ear, and speak to you, or blow a trumpet in your ear while you're sleeping, what's going to happen to you, Scott?
2: I'm going to jump up.
1: You're going to jump up because <laughs> <laughs> there's a sound. And likewise, when Jesus comes back again, even if you're resting or resting in Jesus and you're laying in the grave, uh, you will be able to wake up when mm-hmm. Christ comes back whether it will be through the the shout whether it will be through the the voice or whether it will be through the the sound of the trumpet uh the the guarantee is you're you're not going to sleep through this one no you will be awake so how will we know when jesus comes back again very simple uh, his event of him coming back that's going to wake you up
2: it will wake you up great question amani thank you so much yes i'm moving back to our next question Please explain Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. Titus chapter 2. Let's go there together.
1: Titus chapter 2, 11 through 12.
2: Titus chapter 2, 11 through 12. Okay. And I'm there. And it reads, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live life self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Okay, wonderful.
1: So, uh, the book of Titus, chapter 2, 11 to 12, uh, this is at least that particular set of verses. It's talking, of, of course, about the, the, set, the, the coming of Christ or the advent of Christ Jesus uh, into the world and how he has given us a reason to be able to live a godly lives, and especially his grace or his power. So it says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And that is, of course, it has appeared to all men through Jesus when he came into the world the first time. And, of course, he, uh, God has always been there but He, when he came uh, to this world. And then he says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And then it goes to verse 13 looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So it talks about the grace of God coming into Mm -hmm. this world. It talks about then how we are to to live. And then it talks about that great culmination of while we're living this way, we're going to be able to look up and we're going to have the blessed hope of Christ coming back again. So the writer of Titus is trying to encourage us to live holy, pure lives. And the thing is this, it is impossible to live a holy, godly, righteous life by your own strength and your own power. It is absolutely impossible. And yet, when God asks us to do something, or when He commands us to do something, when God gives the command, that command itself is also a promise. Because God knows we can't do it, when he says do it, he is also giving you the power to be able to do it. And so uh, this is an encouragement to us to, to accept the grace of God that has been given to us, to accept its power, to accept God's free forgiveness, so that we may be able to live holy lives denying the ungodliness of the world, living soberly, righteously ungodly, And as we live this way, as Titus says, in this present world, we are then looking forward to that blessed hope. We're not just living that way for the sake of living that way. We're living that way with the hope that we'll be ready to stand when Jesus comes back again the second time. Amen. Great uh, uh, question. Thank you so much. Yes.
2: Moving on to the next question. Please explain 1 Corinthians chapter 8 through 13 first corinthians chapter 8 verse 13 there's a lot of good good questions today
1: yes yeah, so we love your questions please keep mm-hmm. them coming you know uh, as scott said earlier if you want to give us a call at 671-472-1111 if you're in the beautiful cnmi give us a, a call at 670-323-1113 that's 670-323-1113 and text us at six seven one six eight six ninety nine ninety nine. That's six seven one six eight six ninety nine ninety nine. That's free from the CNMI. And of course, you can send us your, your questions through email at Bible at joyfmradio.net, dot net, B I B L E at joyfmradio.net, dot net, and our Facebook page. I believe they can also give it, uh, send a question to their Facebook page, our Facebook page. Is that correct, Scott?
2: That is correct. All right. You are good at this. Oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> <We're> practicing. <laughs> I will practice while we're here. Okay. Yes, we are. All
1: right. And uh, the question again, Scott, is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13.
2: Okay. And let's read that together. Scott, please, if okay. you can read that for us. All right. Here we go. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to to fall
1: okay wonderful
2: question now this
1: particular chapter uh, chapter
2: 8 is dealing
1: with um, it's dealing with meat and food that was sacrificed to idols and so Uh during this time they had converts uh, to Christianity and these converts they used to be pagans so they used to worship you know other things and what they would do is they would take uh, meat and they would offer that to the idol in the temple. And sometimes what would happen is um, they would sometimes they would take that meat also. People would, and they would take that meat or food and they would sell it in the marketplace. And people would come and they would eat it or they would offer it somewhere and people would eat it. And so the problem then happened is the Jews, I'm sorry, the these brand new Christians who came from paganism, they are they felt very uncomfortable knowing that my my Christian friends, who were Jews who became Christians, were eating meat, and it was this kind of meat and food that had been offered in the temple of, of whatever god that they used to worship. So what happened is they thought that when you eat the meat offered to idols, you were participating in idolatry. Because that's what they would do. They would offer up the meat to their their idol, and then they would eat it. And if they had leftovers, of course they would sell it. And so, that became a problem, because now these brand new um, uh, believers, who's they're very sensitive to what's happening. They said, "Listen, you shouldn't be eating that, because you're committing idolatry." And then these Christians, who you know, uh, Judean Christians, they said. No, it's just meat. There's no other God. It's okay. You know, let's, let's eat it. I said, no, you can't do that. I said, yes, we can. But you're committing idolatry. I said, no, we're not. You're wrong. And so what ended up happening, Scott, is that there, there now became a division or a fighting and, and a split in the church over uh, what they were eating, whether the food that they were offering to an idol or not, uh, we were safe to eat. And so this was happening, and so what Paul does is he's giving them an instruction of what to do for the sake of someone else. So that mm-hmm. was really what Paul was trying was saying in this whole chapter. He was he was directing this set of verses to those Christians who knew that this meat was still meat, you know, whether you offered it to whoever. It didn't physically change into to anything else. It was still food. And so we're going to eat it. But Paul was saying, listen, if you read the chapter beginning in verse 8 of chapter 1, you'll see it much more clearly. Paul is saying, uh, here it is in verse 1. He says, Now, as touching things offered up, offered unto idols, we know that we, that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffed up, but charity edifies. Meaning, listen, we know this. But if you just know it for the sake of knowing it then you're getting kind of prideful about it and you're saying, hey, eating this meat is fine, you're wrong. And so then he goes on to say this, And if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. And then he goes to the subject, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world. And that's the sound of our of our halftime mm-hmm. break. We're going to come right back and we'll continue uh, explaining 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 8 uh, verse 13. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with Straight from the Bible.
2: Often parents wonder if they should shield their teen from hearing about their own mistakes. Because, of course, as moms and dads, we don't want the kids to say, well, you did it, dad, so I can do it too. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Honesty with your teen takes guts. But teens need
0: to hear that they're not the only ones struggling. They're looking for honest, authentic answers, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and intellectually.
2: A parent's got to be prudent about what's shared and when. But the discussion about life choices and mistakes is important. It's part of your child's process of discovery and growth. Are there mistakes in your past? that might help someone else make a better decision?
0: Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at ParentingTodaysteens.org. That's ParentingTodaysteens.org. Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. Call right now with your Bible question. In Guam, it's 472-1111. In the Cenomites 323 1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at submit them online at joyfromradio.net or message us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash JoyFMRadio. Join us now for the second half of Straight from the Bible.
1: All right, welcome back to Straight for the Bible. This is Pastor Masick with my co-host Scott. Hey there, Scott. Welcome back. Hey, Pastor. Thank you for having us back. All right. <laughs> right, right before our break, we were actually on First Corinthians eight thirteen, yes, and we are. Uh, th- this is a great one. Uh, this is um, uh, one that really um, uh, is a really good study just in and of itself. So the caller was asking about First Corinthians chapter eight verse thirteen and what it meant. And so we described a little bit of the background of what was happening, how the food that was offered up to idols uh, was now being eaten by by other people. And there was a problem because the new converts to Christianity, who used to offer food up to idols and eat them, participating in idolatry, they now felt that it was still idolatry when they would see their fellow Christians uh, eat that same meat. And if they were asked or forced to eat that same meat, they said, you know, we're committing idolatry. So Paul is now trying to encourage them. Uh, is is specifically speaking to uh, the Christians and telling them that listen. Uh, in verse chapter verse four, and as concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other god but one. So he says, listen, there is no other god. We know this. We know that there is nothing. Um, nothing else. There is only one God. And whether they offer up an, food to an idol is irrelevant because there is no other deity. And so Paul is encouraging them and saying, yes, that's that's true. And then he goes to verse 7. How be it, there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. What does that mean? So now Paul is saying, yes, we know that there is no other God. Yes, we know that when you eat that, that food that was offered up to an idol, nothing happens. And it's not wrong. However, not everybody knows that. And not everybody understands that. And that's why he says, however, not everybody has that. Some people whose conscience they feel like they're doing wrong if they do that, uh, because if they feel that way, because their conscience or their conscience is you know, weak, or maybe just that's their experience, then Paul is saying, Don't argue with them and don't try to force them to believe what you believe in. Just leave it alone. Don't make something that shouldn't... No, don't make something that isn't necessarily a problem be a problem. Mm -hmm. This is not... That's not the point. And then he keeps on going down. So he says in verse 9, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours... What liberty? This liberty or this freedom of knowing that there is no other God but God, and that this food offered up to an idol is still food. But then he says... Uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 9, he says, But take heed heed, lest by any means that this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So there is where Paul is trying to, to explain. He's saying, listen, this particular issue is not a major issue because we know that it's not a big deal. However, if there are members of our church he's saying Mm -hmm. who may believe otherwise and have strong feelings about it and who may feel really uncomfortable and even if you've talked to them and they still feel really i don't want to do that and i think it's wrong then don't try to force the issue just let it be and so that's what he was trying to say he was ex- trying to tell these Christians not to make this a big deal. We would say, don't major in the minors. Mm-hmm. Just leave it alone. <laughs> and that's why he, he says again in verse 12, but when you sin against the brethren and wound their conscience, you sin against Christ. So when you're trying to pressure these people to do something that isn't a, that isn't a major Bible thing, and you're trying to make them believe what you is your own conviction and belief, that is not necessarily uh, based on, on the Bible. Then, even if you're right, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll say it this way: uh, a pastor said it this way. That was uh, much, much more clear. And he said this: uh, What's more important than being right is being right in the right spirit. So yes, they were right. That listen, there's no other God. This food is okay. But what was more important than being right is that you were right about it in the right spirit. Because in you trying to prove yourself that, hey, we're right, what you were doing is you were now becoming a stumbling block to that brother or sister. Listen, that person may not be there yet. Be gentle with them. Be slow. Don't try to make them believe something right away. And that's why he says, wherefore, therefore, if me to make my brother to offend— I will eat no flesh while the world stands lest I make my brother to offend meaning listen if eating this food is going to be a problem when I invite my, my friend over for after potluck after a fellowship mm-hmm. meal or for a fellowship meal or if we're eating together and, and he, he sees yeah that's a problem then you know what I'm going to do I'm going to go ahead and put it away not because yeah, I for believe for next time exactly but for his sake mm-hmm. be sensitive to him that's why Paul says, you know, knowledge can make us puffed up. And Paul was saying, don't be puffed up. Don't be swell-headed. Don't be prideful. Uh, be very sensitive and thoughtful uh, to people that may not necessarily
2: be at where you're at today. Does that make sense, Scott? Do you want to add yes. to that or anything? Yes, it does. I want to add to that. Uh, even now, we are going through the same things of what they went through back back in the day for a new believer coming up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we're thinking Oh, why are they doing that? I thought it mm-hmm. was wrong. Yeah, and then the other person looks and says, "Hey, you're not supposed to be doing what that person is doing. You're supposed to be doing it like this." Yes. So, Pastor, thank you for that explanation. That that's what that was that you explained it. Oh, praise the Lord, praise mm-hmm. God, and and that's why you know
1: Paul. And this is, you know, Paul goes on to talk about this, and and, and he goes on to say that, uh, um, you know, what does he say? He says. Uh, if somebody asks you, is this you know, ask not for conscience sake, meaning uh, they they ask, you know, is this offered to idols? You say, you know, I, I don't know, I don't if somebody no, no, let me go back. If they said if you're sitting at if you're sitting at a meal with a brand new believer who came from paganism mm-hmm. and they say, Don't eat that. That's been offered to idols. Mm-hmm. And he's a brand new Christian and you know that this is nothing, what is the most loving thing you could do for your friend? You can just <laughs> say, Oh, thank you for letting me know. That's it. Yeah, right. That is not the time to say, well, brother, let me let you know that actually uh, there's a time and place for things. And there is. And that's why Paul's saying this is not a, this is a minor thing that you're majoring in. Please don't do this. And if you are, you are sinning against Christ because you're not being sensitive to a brother or a sister in Christ who is still young in the faith and their conscience is still young and still weak. In the things that we know, so yes, so it's uh, be very be thoughtful. Really, the right. what what Paul is saying is be thoughtful, be considerate. Don't try to push people to things mm-hmm. that they're not ready for, and don't major in the minors. And of course, there are things in the Bible that are very plain and very true and very uh, very direct that we ought to say this is wrong and this is right. Mm-hmm. Do not do this and do, because the Bible says so. But for something like this, what? It's it's not one of those things, and so for for that person's sake, yes. Sorry, that was a long answer to a short question. We, <laughs> no, talking, <but laughs> we do get this question quite frequently, so we want to be sure that uh, that's right.
2: That we we, uh, we answer it. So praise God. I hope yeah. that was clear. Yes, and I was laughing too, Pastor, because I made that same mistake at the dinner table. Oh, really? Hey, you're not supposed to be putting it on your plate, and then. <laughs> He he or she is not hungry no more. Yeah, you know, just talking about my family, exactly. raising. Exactly. And then I f- I feel I feel bad because either my daughter or my wife or my son don't, <laughs> they don't they don't want nothing to do with of the course. food. I yeah. should have waited. But. Yes. You know, Scott, I'm
1: so glad you brought that up because you know, I, I've made those mistakes. I think every brand oh. <laughs> brand new believer, they're so on fire and they want to be right with the Lord that. They think well, everybody else has to you know, believe what I believe, uh-huh. or you know, I need to say something because this is, this is what, I, what I know to be true. And the reality is, uh, you think <laughs> of Jesus. Yeah. Jesus said to his disciples, there are many things I, I, I have yet to tell you. Uh, he says, you can't bear them right now. That's right. And so Christ, he was very sensitive to what a person could handle and what would win a person's heart. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. When the woman that was caught in adultery was thrown at the feet of Jesus. Um, The question is, Mm -hmm. did that woman deserve to be condemned by the law of God? Was she an adulterer, a sinner in the eyes of God? And the answer is yes. But when Jesus, when they asked him, you know, what do you think we should do? You know, Moses says this, the law of Moses says this, and you know, we have a law, what do you think we should do? And he says, He that has he that um he that has no sin cast the first stone. And of course they began to drop their stones one by one because everybody had mm-hmm. sin. And then Jesus asked her a question. He said, Woman, where are thine accusers? And she says, No man, Lord. Meaning, you're not mm. accusing me too? And he yeah. said, Um, I, He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, did she deserve to be condemned by her sins? And the answer is yes. We all need to be condemned by our sins. See, but in that moment, she already knew. She already felt that she was a great sinner. And what she needed in that moment was not uh, the one who was sinless to tell her what everybody else had already been telling her. But she needed to be encouraged to find hope. And in that moment, Christ was sensitive to where she was. Sensitive to her feelings, sensitive to her situation. And he said, go, go and sin no more. And so he forgave her sin. And in fact, he was nailed for her sin Mm -hmm. at the cross of Calvary. So she she didn't quote unquote get away with it. That punishment still had to be paid. And it was paid by Christ himself. And so... You know, we, we have to meet people where they are, mm-hmm. and we have to be thoughtful. And that's what Paul is trying to say all throughout. He's <laughs> right. saying, be very thoughtful be very, and be kind. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Paul was very zealous for the Lord, you know, right. Scott. He was yeah. really zealous, but he was very, very tender as well. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why is because, you know, when you think of him, he was persecuting the church. He yeah. was persecuting Christians, and he just he really you know, hated Christianity. And then when he was converted, uh, he really saw what he had been doing wrong. And because he had been at one time really wrong and really lost and he thought wrong and believed wrong, he was able to show a lot of tenderness for those who also didn't believe um, in what was taught that day. So Mm -hmm. he had an extra tenderness because of his own experience.
2: Thank you so much for that question. Yes. And don't get me wrong, there's people in the church that is very, they... Just what, like what you explain? I seen some people in the church too that does the the same the same thing. We'll yes. just leave it alone, walk away. Absolutely, they'll continue on eating or something. Mm-hmm. You know, they won't say a word. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so, and we have to meet people where they are. Why? Because Jesus met us where we were, Amen. and He still meets us where we are today. <laughs> Oh yeah, I
2: thank the Lord. Amen. Yes. Now moving on to the next question, mm-hmm. and it reads. What Galatians chapter 5, verse 20 through 21 mean? Galatians chapter 5, 20 and 21. And Scott, you can read
1: it when you get there, please. Galatians okay. Galatians
2: chapter 5. Yes. I'm uh, just going to highlight this. Yes, please. And bring it over here. Okay. And I'm almost ready. Mm-hmm. This, Galatians chapter 5, 20 and 21. 21. Here we go. Just click mm-hmm. this and it reads Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, em- emulations, wrath, strife, sed- seditions, heresies. And it goes on in verse 21 mm-hmm. Envying, murders, drunkenness, rev- revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before as I. Have also told you in time past that they w- which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. Great. So I think what they're trying to say is, how do we inherit the kingdom of God? Sure. And and that's a great question.
1: Uh, you know, to, to, to describe the text itself, mm-hmm. twenty and twenty-one is a picture, a description of um, of a life that is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So it is a life, and really, when you really look at it, uh, these are all very self selfish things. These are all things that we want to do. These are very, um, uh, what would I say? They're all very selfish desires. Mm-hmm. Envying, murder, drunkenness, oh sorry, beginning at 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations. Uh, this is a lifestyle of a person who either doesn't want to have anything to do with God, or either um, It really is struggling with these issues and has not surrendered it to God, and they need help. So Paul, writing Galatians, is contrasting two kinds of fruit in every person's life, in the believer believer and the non-believer, or in the believer and the faithful and the unfaithful. And so all that's being described in 2021 is what the Bible calls the works of the flesh. Mm -hmm. So these are all works of the flesh, meaning people who practice these things— the Bible says they will not inherit the kingdom of God because these are the fruits of the works of the flesh. So then the question is, uh, well, what is then the works of the fruits of the Spirit? And that's why when you go down, uh, he is then giving the other side. And he's saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so, Paul is making a comparison between the works of the flesh. And you ask, well, what is the works of the flesh? What does Mm -hmm. that mean? And then he gives you a whole list. This is what it looks like. And, you know, we may even find ourselves uh, practicing some of the very things that are mentioned. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And the Bible is very clear. It says those who do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the good news is, just because um, we may practice these things or struggling with these things, there is still hope that if you surrender to God and give Him your heart and your life, the promise then is that He will not only be able to take away the carnal works of the flesh in your life, He is now able through His Spirit transform you Amen, and, and make you be able to live out the fruits of the Spirit. Oh, yes. And that's when he goes down to mention. So the fruits of the Spirit are the opposite of everything we had just read. And that's the promise that he is giving to
2: everybody, that this is available to one and all. Nice. Great question. Thank yes, you so it much is. For Man, I, I wasn't expecting to read all all of this. I, when, when I was reading it going on and on, I said, wow, this really late labeling a lot, of, or most yes, of it, exactly. or everything. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah,
1: you're so right because when you read it, uh, every even every little thing. Uh, for example, like you know, um, seditions or, or envyings or murders. There, those are just categories of everything you could put under there. Right, everything you could put under there, and Scott, it's, it's very serious. Mm. You know, the Bible doesn't mince words or it doesn't soften truth. It tells you exactly how it is. Mm-hmm. It says, "Those who do these things shall not shall inherit not. the kingdom of God." Now, I want to say that, but I also want to throw out the the lifeline of hope. Yes, because the, the Bible says there is none righteous before God; no, not one. And that's why Christ came into the world to die for the very same sins that these things that have been mentioned that we may be practicing, so that we may be saved. That's right. And praise God that he's able to live out the fruits of the Spirit, which is really the life of Jesus, Mm -hmm. how he lived in this world.
2: We're able to live that, too. That's a gift for one and all. Yes. Okay, moving on to the next question. WhatsApp. Yes. We got one from WhatsApp. Hello. Good, Good afternoon. All right. And it reads, I have children... Oh, there we go. I have, I have a child who goes to a Christian school, and she is being used as silence by many. How can I teach my child that they do not serve two worlds and not to worship in material things that others have, and being boastful? Can you read it one more time, Brother Scott? That's a good question. Yes. Once more. Okay. It reads. Oh, I think. Oh, here it is. Okay, I, I have a child who goes to a Christian school, and she is being used silenced silence by many. How can I teach my child that they do not serve two worlds and not to worship material things that others have and being boastful? Okay, wonderful. Wow.
1: You know, uh, well, that's very close to my heart because mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, this is a parent, of course, wanting from what you can read wanting to raise their child in the love of God wanting child wanting to raise her child um, to have faith and right. to be faithful even at a young age and sometimes children uh, unfortunately are, are put in situations where having to live out their faith can be very difficult mm-hmm. and I'm so sorry if your child and um, you know, it gets used or feels silenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, for maybe that child's faith, or maybe trying to live out what they know to be true. Uh, I'm going to give you some just practical advice that I could share, at least the first one. The first one is, if a school is, uh, if you feel like your, your child's environment or they're in a school situation where it really is not helpful uh, to their faith or spiritual growth, and you feel like it's doing more harm, my, my, my counsel uh, would probably be to you know, transfer them to another school. That would be a better environment for them. I really I have no problem saying that it's perfectly okay to transfer children out of a, one environment if, if the parent himself or herself uh, knows for sure because they know the situation better mm-hmm. that this is only doing more harm, then definitely uh, seek ways to put them in another school. Now, of course, if uh, money is going to be an issue, uh, then there are ways, of course, to uh, to provide or to help make that happen. And the Lord himself, he knows, and he'll be able to provide that uh, that funding. Now, if that isn't a possibility, and or should I say if that's just not an option at this point right now, then I would really do a few things. One would be to really... Really Really, make sure that you strengthen your relationship with your child and your faith, what you believe in together. And then as your child, make sure that your, your relationship is so open that they can come to you and tell you some of the things that they are dealing with uh, in their faith while they're in school. That way, if they are being taught error, if they are being influenced to error, then you being the person that knows them best You being the person that they love with all their heart and that they believe, they will believe you over any error that they are taught. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, you have a great influence over uh, your child, especially at a young age. And so whenever error is taught to them, you then uh, remind them and encourage them and support them in the way that that which is right. And especially really give them a lot of encouragement because it is not easy being in that kind of environment. As a child, it's not even easy being in that kind of Roman as, as an adult, mm-hmm. uh, but really encourage your child to, um, to trust you and to bear their hearts with you with everything so that nothing uh, is hidden from you that would, be a, that would be a detriment to your child. And, you know, I'm going to say this also. May heaven have mercy on anyone or any institution or any teacher, or any classmate, or any adult Mm -hmm. who would offend a little child. Right. Who would um, try to put down the faith of a child or silence them when they are generally trying to share or trying to explain or live out their faith. Right. Now, the reason why I say may heaven have mercy is because Jesus had very direct words to people who would offend uh, a young child somebody of a young faith and Jesus himself says it was far better for that person to have a millstone hanged around his neck and to be thrown into the depths of the sea. Those are very strong words. Mm -hmm. And so Christ has a very, very tender regard for a child and their faith. Yes. And he has a very, very stern warning to anyone who would ever Try to weaken the faith of a child mm-hmm. and weaken their faith in God. And remember, you know, every child has a guardian angel who especially watches over them. And uh, any may heaven have mercy on that mm-hmm. person or or adult or whoever, whatever thing to try to be a stumbling block to a young child's right. faith, uh, because I can assure you, as Jesus has said, there are very serious consequences mm-hmm. to that. So, my dear uh, listener, please. Um, those are the things that I can recommend. And Scott, please, do you have anything to share? Yes. Ahead?
2: And it it saddens me, uh, Pastor, because a Christian school, a school where the kid is learning about Christ, mm-hmm. learning about Jesus, is is being treated this way. That's not, you know, what about she's gonna, he or she's gonna think about all these other things. And like, hey, you know, I'm not in a public school. Mm-hmm. They should be doing this in public school. But these yeah, guys yes. should know better than this. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And you know, Scott, I'm going to say something, and um, uh, this is something, I'm so glad that they asked the question mm-hmm. because of this. You know, this issue is, is going to be an issue throughout your life, even as an adult. Right. And so I'm going to tell you uh, what Christ has said that has been a blessing to me, that has helped me uh, make sure that I, oh, yes. I stay faithful and keep my mm-hmm. head together when it seems like the example of others or the words of others seem to stamp me down and and I want you to, see, it's in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and oh. Scott, if you can read it when you get there, okay. Hebrews chapter 12 and this is, this has been the answer.
2: If I can give you a Bible answer, this is it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 2. Verse 2. Okay, verse 2. Poor child. Now it's gonna, the child might think of everybody different and oh man you know yeah really it really hurts me it really does yes Yes. okay hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 and it reads fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Amen. If you
1: look at that, f- f- the first words, the first few words, uh, your version says "fixing mm. your, on G- your eyes on Jesus." I like your that. eyes on Jesus. Fixing, I like that. Yes. Mine says "looking unto Jesus." Oh. I like. But I like fixing. It's really you're attaching your eyes completely. And my my dear parent, here's what mm-hmm. I want to say. Right. Uh, really, uh, make sure, like I said earlier. Make sure that your own relationship with your child is so open and that you can tell them anything. Mm-hmm. And encourage each other, and encourage that child of right. yours to keep their eyes on Christ. Yes. Uh, you know, that has been the only solution that I have found. Yes, and it's a good solution. Yes.
2: You know. Yep, that's so, the time. That's the time, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> we're wrapping
1: it, but I'm gonna close with this, and this is uh, this has helped me, and it's here it is. Mm. If you keep your eyes on people, When they fall, you will fall down with them. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, He will never let you down. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful study we've had this afternoon. We want to pray for all the listeners and those who send in questions. Bless them, O Lord, every single one. And especially, Lord, bless this uh, parent whose child may be going through some difficulty. May that child look to Jesus and may watch that child All their days. Is our prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is Pastor Masiq and Scott saying good night. And God bless you. God bless you.
0: Thanks for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime at, bible at JoyFMRadio.net. Submit them at online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.